Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Robert Rodriguez. Robert was born with a birth defect called fibula hemomelia. His mother made a hard decision when he was 10 months old to amputate his leg. Growing up, it wasn't easy. He lost his home in a house fire when he was young, suffered through some abusive circumstances as well as other hardships. As a young man, he had had adapt to PMA, as he calls it, positive mental attitude, sport as a way to show some people what I can do instead of what I can't. Robert was able to turn his test into his testimony and began embracing his disability. This has led him to be on several TV shows such as American Ninja Warrior, Ink Masters, Seven Seconds, Returning the Favor with Mike Rowe, and much more. He then created his speaking company, Limb Possible, and has helped create a non-profit, Limbed Kind, where he has traveled around the world helping un- underprivileged children receive prosthetics. In 2019, a short film about his life, Abel, was nominated for an Emmy. He participated in the first CFA event when he was 21 and from there fell in love with the organization and has been part of it ever since. Robert's quote, CFA and the amazing community involved has been so helpful along my journey. I'm honored to call myself a CFA athlete. Robert has played on AMP One basketball team and competed in NBA halftime shows, USA sitting volleyball nationals and the 2a team para spartan world championships he is a player on the usa amputee soccer team and is now an elite para triathlete with four world cup races under his belt in his second year of triathlon roberts quotes my goal is to empower others and show them anything is possible without further ado robert welcome to the show Thank you so much, James, for having me on the show. It's an honor to be here with you. That's my absolute pleasure. Obviously, you've got a very uh, long biography. Uh, <laughs> and I've, there's probably some things that we're missing out, but obviously we'll touch upon that yes, uh, to, 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 as we progress. So if we go back to the early days, and let, let's talk about your mother's adversity for a second now and, and we'll obviously touch upon you what you've overcome yourself uh, as being born with a congenital disability how, is that a conversation you've ever had with your mother as what how difficult was it to make that difficult decision absolutely so you know becoming an amputee i was 10 months old when my mom decided to amputate my leg she wasn't sure what my quality of life would be and, you know, as an adult, we often have the conversations because my mom and I always have this joke saying, you know, my life is a movie, you know. Uh, so we always say from the beginning, it's always been a movie uh, for her. She was 22 years old, so she wasn't sure if she was making the right decision for me. And we always go back to those moments, the early stages and, you know, the decisions that she had to make to kind of set me up for the life that I have now. And it was difficult for her. Uh, She said, you know, when she was pregnant, she knew 
something wasn't right. Um, she didn't know exactly what it would be. And then, you know, I ended up coming out, you know, with a deformed leg. And, you know, I'm honestly, I'm glad that she did make the decision to amputate my leg because, you know, then I've been able to um, utilize my situation um, to help others, you know, who might have gone through similar circumstances. And try and describe to the best of your ability. This is very difficult because when people ask me the question, how do you describe your disability? For people that don't know about familiar hemomelia, try to put it on your own words to be able to describe what, what the disability looks like. Sure. So, I mean, there's so many different forms, right, um, of being born with a deformed leg. Uh, for myself specifically, I only had two toes and I didn't have an ankle. So my foot was basically attached to the leg and I had like a flat, you know, foot without many bones in it and no fibular bone in my leg. So only a tibia bone as well. So missing ligaments and, and muscular, you know, um, pieces to my limb, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't have been able to weight bear. And that's part of the reason why they amputated the foot and also my leg would not grow. So uh, there would be no way that I would have to be, even if I had surgeries, I would have to do like limb lengthening um, and just so many different, I would probably have to end up with 12 to 15 surgeries just to be able to ambulate or walk properly. Uh, so that's when they decided to amputate would be the best option. So you are now a below knee. Technically, I'm a below the knee, but I can weight bear on my legs. So some people see me and they're like, are you a Symes amputee? And I'm not a Symes. I'm technically a below the knee amputee. Well, I think that's that's one of the, I won't say the benefits. It's it's one of the, the things. That, okay, in sport, you see it very often. You, you'll see those types of amputees being able to... Uh, it's hard to put into words to describe it. Obviously, I know what I'm talking about, and you can obviously picture what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but but having that ability to walk on your stump, I think obviously it, it su surprises and shocks people that might not be aware of, okay, well, how is he able to weight bear through something that obviously is non-traditional in the sense of it's not the foot, uh, the, the, the sole of the foot. So obviously I've seen loads of people do it. So it's probably a an advantage and probably also a disadvantage because you'll get people to obviously question well how are you able to do that in the first place yeah yeah a hundred percent so my my some of my friends who are you know lost their legs later in life um, or have different type of amputations so we used to have a joke when i was on the amp on basketball team and i would weigh bear on it and they'd be like Oh, keep it in the circus. Everyone's missing legs. And they were telling me, keep it in the circus because they couldn't weight bear on their stump. So uh, things like that. And I mean, and one of the disadvantages is having such a long limb, not being able to have um, certain type of feet to wear because it doesn't fit under your prosthesis. Um, there's a certain running blade that I would like to have, um, but I'm not able to do it because my limb is a little longer, you know, um, than, than the regular size, should we say. So you touched upon the Amp One basketball. How did it come about, and is it a certain nod to obviously? And One's had a documentary quite recently on Netflix. Is that it? Was that your guys's take to go in the direction of obviously we'll play on it, but obviously to because uh, I watched a lot of the videos that you did with with, with it uh, in the past. Was it obviously one? a nod to to and one and it was it also to showcase the ability of one's athlete as opposed to showcasing the disability which most people will probably 
uh, I think one, if I remember the quote in there, uh, that you interviewed one of the players, he was surprised by how good you were in terms of it. It changed his whole perception of of what he thought was cap what people were capable when it came to disability. Yeah, a hundred percent, my brother. So, I mean, Amp One changed my entire life, changed my entire perspective. Uh, Tyler Hyatt and Scott Odom uh, were the founders of Amp One, and so they created it probably about two years before I came on board, and. It was a playoff of and one, of course, you know, uh, and because and one was so big in our era of growing up. I mean, it changed the lives and the minds of so many basketball players and being amputees. You know, there's a lot of wheelchair basketball out there, but stand up amputee basketball was non-existent. So Tyler and Scott, they created a platform you know, for players such as myself to kind of come in. And again, they were fairly new. They had done a few things, um, but they were still recruiting players at the time when I came in. Uh, it was early 2013 and it just changed my entire my life, my mind, because I played basketball full court on basketball teams with able body athletes, you know, my entire life. And then there was this basketball team that was going against able body athletes, but the team was all amputees above the knee, below the knee, missing arms. And it was just a, a sight to see. And when I met those guys, you know, um, I just knew that this was my place. And when I made the team, I was really excited. And I was on the team for about six years uh, until I started kind of doing the other sports that we mentioned earlier in the podcast. And Amp One, we not only played basketball, but we spoke. But our whole premise was to show people that even though we're missing legs or arms, that we can play full court basketball for four quarters, 12 minutes, just like anybody else. And we played on a high level. And honestly, a lot of times, more times than not, we would win the game versus guys who had all their limbs. And, you know, we would win sometimes by 10, 15, 20 points um, because we had a collection of amputees who ended up becoming, you know, the best stand-up amputee basketball team players, you know, around the country. Well, I had a good fortune of speaking to to Scott uh, last year, so I had to pull it up. Uh, if people want to go and listen to that episode with Scott, it's episode two forty seven. So never giving up. Uh, and obviously, he talks about obviously his story. Um, so if yeah. you get a chance, obviously, obviously go listen to that one as well. But we'll come back to we'll come back to you uh, in terms of your your journey, uh, Robert. Uh, you mentioned obviously CFA, so the Challenge Athlete Foundation, as is better known. How did you how did you discover them in the early days? Yeah, CAF. CAF was a uh, honestly, it was something before I even joined the Amp One basketball team. You know, here locally in New York, there weren't any um, avenues really for someone who was an adaptive athlete. And I've heard about things and competitions in like Florida and different states, but my prosthetist at the time told me about a clinic that they were doing in New York, in the city. And so she, her and I went to the clinic. It was a mobility clinic. And then my second event was a swimming clinic. And I saw a ton of other amputees who were high level athletes, such as myself, where I felt like, hey, man, I compete with people who have all their limbs. So I was a fast runner and I can do things um, so that, you know, I felt at a high level, even when I was at a young age. So to see other athletes who were able to do that too, who I could actually learn from, it opened up my eyes. And um, CAF was just hosting a ton of different events and they were offering opportunities to people like myself. Uh, so um, the more that I got involved, the more I fell in love with it. 
I'm going to pause it there for one second because obviously we've got a back door open and it's really raining. So let me pause it real quick. So you were mentioning about the, the clinic in New York. How have you seen the non-profit organization go from strength to strength? So obviously you were there uh, with it in the very beginning. So obviously it's pretty well known I won't say renowned worldwide, but it's pretty recognized outside of the US now as well due to probably social media and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I saw the changes, you know, as, in regards to nonprofits across the board. I mean, CAF has grown tremendously. It's raised millions of dollars to help athletes such as myself um, all around the world receive grants and sports equipment and things that we can't generally afford uh, because their luxury items as insurance companies, you know, um, call them and they fall under that category. So CAF is so phenomenal in helping someone like myself or someone who's in a wheelchair, someone, you know, who's just going through tough circumstances, be able to compete in the sport that they love and be able to afford some of the equipment um, that they might not be able to, to do or their families not, might not be able to, to, to do as well. I mean, in the nonprofit space in general, it's grown. I'm sure you're aware of it too. You know, there's so many different um, outlets now for people such as yourself and myself to be able to fall into a place where, hey, we might love podcasting, you know, for, per se. And now that we can learn from each other um, and kind of develop uh, more awareness to the amputee community. So my question to you, Robert, is what made you go in the direction of triathlon? Because we're talking in terms of uh adaptive sport i can't think of anything more expensive in terms of equipment because okay the only thing that you don't have to to fork out on as expense to certain extent is the wetsuit because obviously you'd alter it slightly but you know the custom bike custom you mentioned obviously running blades with you being baloney these are in the tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands that we're talking about in terms of uh Obviously, it's very controversial topic because there's there's not many companies, so thus they have a uh, a monopoly, and you've got no say in terms of how much something costs. It's it's something I had a luxury of sitting down with um, number two. He was an en- he was a retired engineer, and he was kind of going, "Well, if you." put a wheelchair versus a bridge you know the components are almost the same but obviously the the the, the demand for the bridge is obviously going to be more so the pr- the price of the of the, the end product is cheaper than the wheelchair per se which obviously is very baffling because it's like well there is a there is a a need and a demand for wheelchairs prosthetics orthotics in terms of for you and I and, uh, and for other amputees listening to this sh- this episode, it's a necessity to be able to function. So <laughs> it, it, it's very, t- it, it, it's conf- controversial, but if you were to sit down with Autobach, Osa, uh, and obviously companies in the US, because there's loads of them, yeah. it is obviously a way of monetizing uh, uh, healthcare. But obviously, we have no say on how much the price of the 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 product is based on you know R and D and all sorts of things like that. So that was an interesting uh, discussion with the, that amputee. But coming back to my original question about 
what was the the idea behind you transitioning from what you're doing to basketball to then go into do I want to go to I'm assuming the end result was the Paralympics what was kind of your decision making behind obviously picking triathlon over say maybe cycling or or swimming or or track and field sure absolutely um well you're 100% right equipment is expensive and it is probably the most expensive sport especially for um adaptive athletes because you know we have to travel with more product more you know wheelchairs more prosthetics and things of that nature uh so i mean to answer the original question first you know i played sled hockey wheelchair softball you know not only just amputee basketball sitting volleyball went to the world championship for um para spartan racing and i was trying to find my niche um you know i ended up making the usa amputee soccer team and i've played on there for about 6 years and went to the world cup in 2018 and soccer was ama- is amazing and it was just um, a really good feeling to represent our country, to be a part of Team USA, to do that. But once COVID and the pandemic hit, I couldn't play any of those team sports anymore. You know, we were all in solitude and spending time by ourselves. Um, I have two great friends of mine, uh, Rudy Garcia Tolson and uh, Roderick Sewell, who uh, were both triathletes, who were swimmers, cyclists, um, but they both have done triathlon. And uh in the brink of COVID in February of 2020, we were all in Africa and we actually went to go help kids for our nonprofit, Limkind. And we had just got back and COVID had just started really, it was March, we got back the beginning of March. And that's, we all know when the pandemic um, basically took place. And Rudy had made an announcement that he was gonna try to go back to the Paralympics for Tokyo. And I know Roderick was pursuing another goal and I was at home and I saw certain signs that I always wanted to do a triathlon and compete in triathlon. Uh, so I saw certain signs that I needed to compete. Um, after eight weeks of being depressed because my wife is a nurse and she was a nurse at the height of the pandemic. I had two small children and they were being homeschooled. I had to figure out how to get up, get up out of my depression. And fitness was always my way. I always say fit therapy, um, a way to uh, get out of my own head and to make sure that I'm, you know, staying healthy and, and becoming my best self. And triathlon was the way that I was able to do that. So I started training. I set up a little home gym um, at my house and I started speaking to Ru- uh, Rudy and Roderick. Rudy ended up was moving back to Colorado to train and gave me his uh, road bike. And so that was my first bike where I started training and I had no excuses I didn't even have a real run blade at that time because I outgrew my my previous running blade. So I had a catapult foot um, from Autobach and I was using that. And I had this bike and we couldn't go to the pools. The pools weren't open, but I was lucky enough to have a pool in my backyard. I brought a bungee cord. I started swimming in my pool and I was like, man, I want to do triathlon. I want to do my first triathlon. Uh, and my best friend became my personal trainer. And we just started working for for months trying to get my body in shape. And the story unfolded as in, you know, I went to go do my first triathlon, spent $2,000 and it got canceled, you know, the night, the day of at four in the morning. And I said, man, you know what, this might not be for me because the training was a lot. It was a very expensive. Um, and then I got a sign from CAF the next week to do a 40 mile bike ride. Jamie Brown, who was on team USA for triathlon came to New York 
we had about a two hour conversation after the bike ride and he inspired me to continue to keep pursuing triathlon, which is I did. Um, I did my first triathlon in March of last year, 2021. And since then, I've done about 22 triathlons and it has been a very expensive sport. Um, <laughs> I will not even give out a number of how much money that I've spent. Uh, but I, I have been very lucky enough to have support of Team Catapult, Team Dare to Try, CAF, uh, Hangar, you know, my sponsors like Zoot, uh, Alps, and, uh, you know, a lot of other sponsors that have helped, you know, kind of push me towards continuing to the sport to inspire others. Um, that's why I do it, to inspire others. But yes, the goal is the Paralympics. The goal is to become, you know, the top in the country, you know, the top in the world, to be the best version of myself, you know, um, because that's what triathlon does. It's not only helped my body, but it's also helped my mind. And I believe the power of sport, any sport, doesn't have to just be triathlon, um, especially for our youth. It allows us to learn how to lose, how to win, how to, to, to push our bodies. And again, it helps carve our minds as well so that we can become you know, better people, uh, especially in this instant gratification age and people are lazier. Um, I believe the power of sport, no matter what sport it is, um, can help us become better people, you know, overall. I appreciate you sharing about obviously the, the mental health condition, the mental, yeah, I'll call it a mental health condition of being, of being depressed as opposed because of the, the, the pressures of probably what your wife was having to go through. Uh, in a workplace because you can't control that so it's it's this is where it's quite dangerous your mind to kind of it can wander and it and it can bring up uh, worst case scenarios like worth almost catastrophizing um when really would you ever let it get to that extreme as an individual probably not so i appreciate you robert sharing about that in terms of the depression because uh i um I'm subscribed to uh, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's weekly newsletter, and he was talking about that this week uh, about more so in the African American community of being a little bit stubborn to to ask for help, uh, and obviously I'll share that video in 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 the description so people can go watch that about. Uh, it was a gym scenario of the person having too much weight and then let, letting it rest on the ch- uh, on the chest and I've got it. It's like, well, there's there's nothing wrong with asking for help with things like that. It's not weakness. It's not... Uh, there is an element of ego and an element of pride when it comes to males because we've been almost like pre-programmed to be... Oh, we need to be strong. We need to be not show any ounce of weakness. Obviously, it's probably worse in the sporting arena, uh, a little bit because you're almost preconditioned to don't show weakness, don't show to be feeble. Any ounce of weakness can be exploited, etc. And obviously, the list is endless in terms of of that. I'm not saying it's any lesser or any stronger in the mainstream versus the athletic arena but it is probably that mindset of you have to be thick-skinned and you have to kind of it's almost i've had to for me personally uncondition myself out of that because it's it's well what what is wrong with being vulnerable what is wrong with being able to show uh emotion um 
uh, it's almost like going back to myself. I was okay to do this as a child because uh, my it was my mother, my grandmother, my aunt that brought me up. So it's very maternal. So I was okay with my feelings. And I think once I became a teenager, it's like you almost got to put a brick wall up or bring the shutters up and, and not let anybody in so you don't get hurt. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing about the 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 old deal with the depression. Um, I think obviously some people can relate more with that than than others um, with that. And obviously it's nothing wrong, male or female. Uh, and I think it's very common in the in our in our community, especially uh, with amputation, to have some sort of grief after losing the leg. Um, so if you you do have uh, feelings of being you know, anxiety, depression, uh, or any other mental health conditions, obviously go and seek professional help and then be able to work on that and be open to speaking about it. And, and I think once it's out in the air, it definitely helps because you can actually look perspective as, okay, maybe that's, I don't fully believe that to be the case. And you go from strength to strength and, I think what you mentioned about obviously health and fitness is very important because you get endorphins, you get highs from doing exercise. So it's almost like a reward. Um, you mentioned social media. Obviously, it's more positive than uh, Instagram likes, Facebook comments. Um, we won't. Twitter's its, its own <laughs> little beast. Uh, TikTok. This un these are all unnatural highs of you could get the same uh rewards if it was to do around uh, an obsession or a compulsion to do around you know sex money drugs the body doesn't know any different between all these things so if you were to get it from and some people might say that they're they're lazy they're idle these are labels yeah so I get people to distinguish well. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a failure. Or I'm lazy. It's like uh, those are words. You're not necessarily that. Okay, you mentioned sport a couple of minutes ago uh, about it. It's a good thing to learn, uh, and I think the the athletes themselves. Some people do lose sight of it as oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not that person I used to be. It's like well, that's not true. It's you're still the same person. You can't change. It's just the way that you perceive the world. But I think what sport gives a a us a vehicle to be able to comprehend is learning from failures, mistakes. And I think you mentioned a little bit, or if you haven't, if people were to sit down in terms of the amount of times that they've not succeeded or won in something, it would outweigh the wins. And, it, and if it doesn't, obviously that's a you're a, a misnomer. <laughs> you're the oddball out because um, <laughs> I probably failed more than I, I I'd, I'd like to admit. So probably the same with you. But yeah. and the example I've used probably more recently would have been what was it last season? The twenty, I think it was the Steelers the season before they were winning but they were winning ugly but once they lost they lost badly and what the winning was facilitating was to you know paint over the cracks of things that were if you were to lose you would go back and fix 
because it, it, once they did lose, it was catastrophic. Um, and I think they ended up eight and eight. So it, it kind of shows, even though you're winning, it might be masquerading as you be able to do like mediocre and being okay with average. Whereas if you were losing, which is a culture in itself and it's toxic, whereas obviously winning is, 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 is very positive. Once you were to lose once, you'd kind of go, you'd go back to the film and look, okay, we're doing this wrong. This is what we're not adjusting to. And I think from a, a, a perception of, you, you mentioned obviously mental health, we do almost put the blinkers on, as in this problem is major. It only affects me, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come and share as well. I've had aspects of mental health stuff, stuff in the past, and I think more and more athletes have been outspoken about that in terms of they faced it in one term or the other. And I think the the trigger for that, or the real reasoning behind it, is that you might agree with this or not, I think it's because of that preconditioning of you need to be tough, you can't uh, showcase weakness. It was a discussion I had with my mum. My mother is either the beginning of this week as we are recording or last week uh, about this is something I've shared publicly and people have kind of gone, oh, it takes some great balls to share that despite not playing a lot, you went from anger to, I'll say sadness, but obviously I was a broken man. I was because I'd physically pushed my body to the to its limits and didn't get any reward. I'm not saying I earned it or not. That, that's a different discussion. But it was something that my mom asked if if I wasn't there, would you have cried? It's like hell no, because <laughs> it's, it's that perception of. If I was to to cry in a male dominated environment, that is, you play sitting volleyball. It's a male. Uh, there's a lot of uh, male uh, machismo and a lot of male ego there. Okay, we are talking about ten years ago. I think I think some extent it's changed a little bit the environment, and the culture. But you would have been ridiculed. Yeah. Oh, look at the little. I'm. I'm I might be dramatizing this a little bit. I don't know because one of my teammates actually messaged me as all oh, that you, you're the bigger person than blah blah blah, and he said the same instance with the coach had happened to him, but different circumstances. And I, I kind of said, "Well, I wish I'd done that ten years ago because I could have talked to somebody about it." As okay, have you been uh, and. In, I'll give Anton a shout out. Uh, Anton Raimondo, he's slightly older than me. It might have been uh, something of a brother to kind of go, okay, he's slightly older than me. It's it's happened to him previously. I'm not going to knock the coach because that's, that's not fair. But it's almost like the person doesn't want to have the obstacle of the co- uh, Sorry, the player not liking what's being said. Technically, the coach is the coach, and his whatever he says goes, and it's you as an individual to respond. I don't think I would have, if you'd have said to to me that I was inconsistent and that's the only reason I wasn't playing. Hey, that's a fact. What can I do about it? I become more consistent. Uh, you mentioned the the word lazy. I I would say to people they look for convenience. Yeah. 
to the looking for an easy out. So the 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 way that people can change is obviously to challenge some of those labels. Uh, I get the, that same con uh, comment said to me by family. Oh, James, you're lazy. It's like no, no, no. What I'm doing is laziness. I'm choosing to be able to look for comfort, convenience, and not being able to test myself. That that is a choice. So to to to, I think lazy is an easy out for people. But if you want it badly, badly enough, you you're gonna be able to go after. And okay, what you're doing in triathlon is is a lot harder because it's a massive sacrifice mentally, physically, because you don't get a stop after fifteen hundred meters. You gotta go, gotta go, jump on and do. Uh, I can't remember how long the bike is. I think it's... It depends on the distance. There's all different distances. Like, so this, this weekend I'm doing an Olympic distance, but for a paratriathlon, it's usually a sprint distance. So it's like the swim is 750 meters. The bike is 20K. The run is 5K. Um, this weekend I'll be doing double. Actually, I'll be doing an Olympic distance, which will be um, a 1,500-meter swim, uh, a 40K, excuse me, um, yeah, 40K bike or yeah, it's a 40k bike and a uh a 10k run so it depends on the distance but uh yeah for para triathlon uh we do a sprint distance is that the same even for the for the paralympics eh? it's the, the yep, sprint. Yep, sprint it's a sprint it's a sprint so it's basically what, it's, what, why though because it's that fast fast it's the fastest yeah, but if, if the olympic distance is the olympic difference and the word paralympics means parallel shouldn't you in theory do the same distance as Obviously, the diehards are going to watch the, the the triathlon from minute zero to the very end. Uh, I get that television wants it to be because people haven't got attention spans uh, to to last. I think it's like eight seconds maximum. Um, and I what even though I, I'm in Europe, I watch the triathlon at like two and two in the morning for in, out in Tokyo. Yeah. The women's race was amazing because somebody won a medal. On the final stretch, and the commentators, I can't, I think it was American beat overtook the Australian, if I remember rightly. And they're like, Oh, they're not going to catch the person. I was like, I bet you they do, because that's a commentator's curse. I was like, You don't. And it was, I think the margin of victory was a hair's length. It was like, Whereas it's only that's... seconds. It comes down to seconds, you know. Um, so that's why everything is training. But I think the distance, the reason why they have the distance is because it's fast. Um, I think it's a little easier on, you know, um, I guess an amputee's body, if you will. Um, and a sprint distance would be better for us. I think it's just, it's, you don't have enough time, you know, in a sprint distance to make up. So you got to be fast and that's it. There's no in between Olympic distance is a little bit more time, more real estate, as we say, to maybe catch someone, um, or not. So, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, from when the gun goes off, uh, it's an extremely fast pace. But and I do want to go back to what you were saying about mental health. I think it's probably the most important thing, you know, uh, and we do have the stigma as athletes and or as men specifically to um, stick our chest out, to not show, you know, fear, pain, emotion. And I always try to change that um, wherever I am. You know, once I'm in my space and I'm in the arena and it's time to get focused, I locked in and I get into kind of like a killer mode. Um, where I'm ready to take anybody out, 
you know, or die behind my sport, if you will, um, to get the win. But after or before, you know, it's smiles. I always try to encourage other athletes from other countries or who are on my team. Even sometimes if I'm competing against another Team USA athlete, you know, on, on you know, the triathlon course, I always try to encourage. I'm an emotional guy. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I like being happy. I like being positive. So that's just kind of how I am. When I'm in my setting, you know, again, I become a killer. It's almost like Kobe Bryant, mama mentality. Um, but prior to, I always try to show love because I think that's the most important thing. That's how my mother raised me. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type of person I try to break whatever the stigma is, the box, the category that us as people or minorities or whatever it is have to fit into, you know, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I hate that. I hate that. And I love showing love uh, and the highs and lows of being an athlete, you know, of competing, you know, at a high level and then maybe getting home and having to take out the garbage, let's say, metaphorically speaking, is like, holy cow, I had all these people just rooting for me. And now here I am, you know, and I've got to do the simple things, you know, or come back to life. And, you know, I'm by myself, you know, in my home. So it's hard to kind of deal with in the mental aspect. And training does that. I think reading, um, finding positive motivation um, are always because our minds and our mentals are at attack at, at an all time high right now, you know, and influences where our psyche is very easily influenced, you know, so love is a great way to conquer that, I feel, uh, giving love, getting love. Uh, and then having confidence within ourselves without having the ego attached. So de-attach detaching ourselves from the ego, um, but still being confident in who we are, what we look like, and what we represent. I think you 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 bring up a, uh, a good spin to that. Uh, um, and I think, oh, I've I I listen to a lot of uh, how would I describe this meditation type things in terms of I, I've I've uh, gosh. I've come a long way from the the young athlete I was twenty odd years ago that was not even open to the idea of visualization. So, uh, because I didn't think it was possible to to uh, um, this is a bit silly now when I when I say it, but to be able to picture picture a two D image and and obviously be able to create it in my mind and 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 for people listening, obviously that's only dreaming. You're able to do it as a child of, you've got lofty ambitions as a kid and for whatever reason, and, and you mentioned it, of uh, of being swayed and, and being manipulated, we lose sight of that and we kind of adjust and be uh, almost boxed into to what, what what is possible and what is not. And this could even be for your own family to kind of go, oh, that dream is not realistic. But... And obviously, you've worked in in business and you've worked in nonprofit and things like that. Obviously, business is tough, and and your family only want the best for you. So I've had one of my family members who said this is my sporting career. Why don't you get a real job? But I didn't listen to them because obviously that's what I wanted to do. And I think having probably my mother in my corner as well to kind of go, well, if you put hundred percent into it, I'll back you that helps if some people don't have even that but i'm able to to showcase to that other family member as hey i understand where you're coming from in terms of like security safety i don't think anything's guaranteed now in the last two years and, and beyond it's it's not even a nine-to-five job isn't secure now yeah. but 
I want to do something where I have the most impact and, uh, and the, the career that I've chosen now, to, to especially to work in the empathy community, I can have a massive impact on people's lives because, uh, and I had obviously my peers in, in the in the fitness industry a lot of able body. It's like, well, what what is what is the driver for you, James? It's like, well, okay, I, I know what failure looks like because the business has failed the first time around, but I have to show up for other amputees, whether I feel like crap or not. As in, because the information isn't out there, and I think more and more. Uh, amputees are, are showcasing health and fitness as you know as a vehicle it doesn't have to be in sport it doesn't have to be the gym do something that you love and you're yeah. going to reap the rewards with obviously uh, improvement in mood improvement in stamina improvement in uh, sleep etc these things are major and, and to be able to showcase them as hey your goal might be to lose weight you didn't get it that's not a loss look at over here because these things um, um, okay for you and I that I've done sport stamina especially your discipline massive mood massive because if you go moping around everybody nobody's going to be want to be around Rob oh, oh, he's miserable it's miserable it's nah. let's stay clear of you uh, and the the, the, the the other aspect of sleep this probably not a regret, but this is probably something I would have changed as an athlete. I'd have put more importance to rest and recover. I wouldn't say it was poor, but my sleep was not the best. And I'll and I'll come out and share this. Uh, I got I got in trouble with one of my coaches because I was on Facebook late at night and I shouldn't have been. And he kind of went, "Well, why were you on Facebook? This is Messenger now, and the people can see when you're on or not or not." So he said, "Well, why? Because my, my that particular day was crap." It's like, well, why were you up until two in the morning? I don't know. Are you going to do it? But, but will you do it again? No. And I didn't. But I think the the what I want to showcase to the people listening to this or, or watching in the future is if I was to change that attitude by going to bed at, say, 11 at the latest... That's now two out, two three hours more sleep and two more, two three more hours of recovery. Thus, my body would very much help, be very uh, appreciative of that in the long run. But yes. me being, how old I've been at that time? Twenty, I think mid twenties. Yeah, I mean, no, early, know- earlier. Sorry, early twenties. So I think I still know it all. Yeah, no, it happens, honestly. So I think you just said it is key as I'm focusing more on rest and recovery as well. I'm a very go-getter. You know, I'm from New York, you know, and I'm Puerto Rican and black. I mean, it's just go, go, go. Literally, our motto here is the city that never sleeps, right? So it's just, I'm, oh, if anybody who knows me in my personal life knows that it's constant go, and I've been putting way more emphasis on saying no to things and to getting rest and recovery and being disciplined with that shutting off myself too. So my coach, you know, part of my language, but my coach got me a book for my birthday and the, the name of the actual book is Go the Fuck to Sleep. <laughs> and that's the actual name of the book. You guys can Google it. And it's all about, because uh, I'm also a father, you know, I work in the prosthetic industry professionally. I have a speaking company and I'm a professional athlete. So the balance 
becomes a lot and it becomes tedious and you won't be able to function properly, um, especially now that I'm getting older too as well. And I'm doing one of the toughest sports, you know, that I believe is out there. That's so demanding. Um, like you said, on your mood, your body, you know, your finances. So being on your A game is important. And that extra, forget two hours, that extra 30 minutes is key, you know, to being able to shut your phone off, shut the TV off and let all that stimulation kind of go away. Uh, and what you touched on, when you first, your first statement is something I go over with my son. He's going to be 10 this year. And, you know, we watch a lot of positive motivation. Steve Harvey is one of the keys, right? And you alluded to imagination. And so there's a quote Steve Harvey always says is, you know, imagination is the preview of life's coming attractions. And that imagination is, I, I you know, like you said, the world starts to shape us and we lose um, that imagination of, what could go wrong? You know, maybe I shouldn't do this um, because it's not realistic. And I'm really trying to get through to my children um, as well as anyone, you know, that I coach um, and speak to is that try to hold on to that imagination as if you were a kid. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are or, you know, kind of what you're going through. You can do and be anything. That's why my motto is anything's possible. I've seen and I know some amazing people and I hear so uh, some amazing stories. I truly believe if you are disciplined, you're locked in. And if it's in your imagination, you know, it's in there for a reason. You know, it is a preview for what life is to come. I've manifested my entire life, uh, as I'm sure you have too. Everything that you've been able to accomplish, you know, you, you saw it first. No matter who told you you can't, no matter who told you you should do this or do that, um, <laughs> you know, you knew in your head, this is what I want to do. And if I want to do it, and I want to be great at it. I'm going to be better. So you know what? No, I'm not going to stay up to two anymore, two in the morning anymore. I'm going to go to sleep earlier. I'm going to put this phone away because I want to be great. You know, greatness is what's in my head. Uh, and you know, social media and these influences are tough to kind of let go. And that's why I say I believe our mental state is at attack. You know, but if you know our goals, we got to put those things first. We got to put whatever we're imagining first, our dreams, and and know that. Um, if we don't allow these other things to get in the way or if we don't get in the way of ourselves that we can accomplish them. I'm going to paraphrase what my business coach had put out, I think it's this week, about what you consume. And, and I think it, it builds on top of what you've please, said. Please, yeah, please. If, if, you ch if you choose to consume positivity, growth. You choose to be, I'm going to misconstrue what he said, but... You could be mis uh, misaligned from from what your your outcome or your goal is by spending ten minutes on social media, twenty thirty minutes. And uh, I did a, a Facebook Live masterclass um, on Tuesday. Tu almost said yesterday. It used to be yesterday on Tuesday inside my group uh, about obviously. Um, goal consciousness versus growth consciousness and obviously i won't give it away too much but like to, to, to the trajectory of of where we would finish would be determinant on uh how how what you spend your time consuming so uh i'm not i'm not saying to favor not to like stop watching netflix not like amazon prime uh there are obviously stuff that's very very well done and well put together and it enables you to be able to switch off 
because it doesn't require a lot of uh, attention and focus to watch reality television because it's it's some of it's funny but if you were to consume too much of that obviously you're going to become very idle very uh, very comfortable because you're going to become a, a couch potato because oh i need to binge watch this and obviously uh for an athlete it's very easy to, to, to I'm, 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 I'm not going to say the athletes don't do this themselves because they, if they don't tell the truth and they say they don't it's not true because you would spend hours on training camp that there's times that you're not training or sleeping you would be doing something uh to part not necessarily pass the time but to be able to entertain yourself to be able to get yourself um through those particular times because you're you're in different continents you're in different countries and obviously you might not have the uh the native language so you would pass your time by watching movies and things like that uh series and and whatever um and i can't remember how many hours i probably spent doing that over the decade <laughs> but in terms of wh- where i'm going with this is being able to choose what you want to spend that time on if it is to do uh around i don't know you want to build a business what is it the skill and you mentioned niche but i'm going to call it niche as it's a french word um but if you wanted to get better at sales what is it in that particular area of sales that you are not as efficient in or proficient as you'd like to be so it could be uh, closing it could be objection handling and obviously that's been very hyper specific and laser focused in on that's the key area that is the one percenter that's going to make a massive change in the the, the outcome of, of of the lifestyle so have i always got it lasered in um i i probably i think the best person that has described the transition for me specifically, and I can't remember if it was on my on my podcast or his, Donny Boyvan of saying, uh, you're going from one swimming pool to another. And I think that's a good metaphor because it's technically the distance of the swimming pool does not change. Going yeah. from sporting arena to, we'll use you, Rob, as the example, to go pit speaking to do your, your business uh, as a prostatist the measurables of the building is the same. It's just that for whatever reason that we are probably conditioned as, oh, it's unfamiliar territory, thus I need to be a beginner mindset, whereas, well, I've got some of the skill sets already. It's just the world telling me they're not right, be it, you know, like the competitive nature. It's like, no, I preach now. It's like, no, no, the problem is comparative, not competition. If you had that mindset of competition, you would look at somebody else further down uh, the line. This happens probably very much in our, in our community because people are like, oh, why is that person being able to walk in, I'm going to throw out a figure now, say three weeks, yeah. and I can't. Like, well, that person isn't you, and that's comparative. Yeah, competing with ourselves. We're competing with ourselves, and that's the that's the key, you know. Um, comparing to other people is not... It's not conducive to growth, our own growth. You know, I'm o- I'm often saying, hey, you know, I'm measuring myself now versus myself. You know, I'm I'm a lot better right now in 2022 than I was in 2021, definitely than 2020, right? And I can't measure up versus James or anyone else because 
we have different circumstances, you know, um, and it's not it's not the best way for for myself as personal growth is by comparing to 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 someone else who, again, we don't even have the same disability. Right. Um, so when you say walking after three weeks, you might have a different circumstance. So I help, you know, I work for Hanger and, you know, Hanger Prosthetics and. I try not to give patients a timeline because of that very instance. Someone's limb might heal, you know, in two to three weeks and someone's limb might heal in six to eight weeks, right? So your story is not my story, you know, or their story. And the biggest thing is being comfortable with who we are and understanding that, hey, you know what? This is my life. These are the cards that I was dealt and I'm going to make the best out of it. And that's how I've you know, gotten to where I've, you know, been, that's been successful in these categories is because how can I make the best out of my situation? Okay. My house burned down. doesn't matter. How can I make the best out of this situation? I spent so many years as a youth saying, man, I wish I had two parents, you know, I saw my friends, they had a mom and a dad and I didn't, you know, and measuring myself, but I realized that measuring sticks did not help my situation become better. You know, I can make myself become better by discipline by changing my perspective, right? Um, and kind of what you were saying. So my metaphor for that uh, is like having two plants, right? You have a negative plant and a positive plant and whichever plant you water is the plant that's gonna grow. If I don't water that negative plant, eventually it'll just die, right? You know, we know what happens if a plant doesn't get water, it turns brown and the root decays and the plant that we water flourishes and can grow into something beautiful. So watering either the positive or the negative is what the key is, or there's a quote that say, says, you know, where your focus goes, your energy flows, right? So if you focus on social media and being, you know, on TikTok, then that's where your energy is going to go. But if you focus on recovery, on bettering yourself, um, that's where your, your, you know, your energy will go and you invest more time into that. And then you'll have more success, right? You want to have a successful podcast, you know, then Take time such as you do and set it up the right way. Do it for years and then you'll have success like James Roberts. You know, if you want to be a successful athlete or speaker, you know, I've had to take time. I've had to obsess over it. I've had to encompass my entire life in any aspect that I've done, whether it's being on television, whatever it is, I've had to fail. Like we said earlier, I wanted to actually touch on that too, more times than I've succeeded. I've had to go and get no's and no and no and lose and lose and lose in order to have that one success and then know that I want that more um, and be able to say, you know what, I'm ready to take on any type of loss and treat that as a lesson. And I know you've done that in your personal life um, as well as your business life. And I've done the same. And I get that. I try to get that to any amputee, but just anyone who is struggling with anything in life. You know, it could be obesity. It could be a disease. It could be finances. Um, whatever loss, it's a loss. It's not a lesson. It's not permanent. It can be temporary. If you can just make that switch in your mind and put your focus on the positive, your energy will go to the positive and it will grow. I think I can't, I can't add anything to that. <laughs> I, I, I do think that it, that's true. Cause I think a lot of people ask me now that I've obviously been retired now, gosh, it's nearly a decade as well, but uh, but how did you create the person that you became 10 years ago? So I'm like, oh, that's a great question. And I'm willing to go back and like unpick because obviously in the moment, you're probably better at this than I am But back then. But 
you gloss over this and that's why i try and preach to the, probably the younger athletes of having the blase attitude of it doesn't matter if 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 it's i'm i'm locked in and i'm i'm feeling good about it the practice that's wonderful if i'm not feeling it oh okay i'm going to half ass it or somewhere in between You're like no 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 i had that same attitude 10 15 years ago and i regret it because I didn't take the moment to be able to learn from being, you know, I'm in world-class facilities, I've got world-class professionals to be able to ask them the X, Y, Z about, okay, I still got access to some of those people, but the the, the point that I'm making is, is trying to be, seize that moment at that particular time. Okay, if it's good, wonderful. What What is it about it? from a mood perspective because nobody will analyze this i know one i know one amputee and i'll give him a nod for this clarence wiggins he looks he analyzes the the good oh, clarence wiggins though sorry i love clarence so yeah shout out to clarence he's so so, so most people do not gloss over they don't analyze when things are going oh i feel wonderful okay that's great obviously as human beings we do the opposite we analyze the the bad but with that particular athlete at 17 i kind of went well learn it from me use those things as building blocks as okay if it's mediocre what are you going this is a kobe quote it's not necessarily the time that you're at practice it's the time that you're locked in at practice and i don't know many people that are able to lock in for the whole duration obviously him and mj probably if it's a two-hour practice they're locked in for two hours look and have the awareness to and this is you could apply this to life as well when is it that you get distracted and when are you actually locked in for say okay well you and i've been speaking for an hour i'm locked in for an hour because I'm, i might learn something from what you have to say i have the luxury because of the podcast to probably learn something new every single week and that's one conversation every single week and and i utilize speaking to the community as I can learn something from that individual and then maybe vice versa if they don't okay that's a choice but there's something to be learned from any every interaction that we have if yes, we sir. really valued the, the the connection and relationship building that is probably predates you and I are old enough to, to know that this didn't exist uh, and dial up internet, but we knew how to build connections and, and real relationships and being able to, to rely on one, one another. And I think of that's probably a, lo a lost art a little bit because of social media. Uh, and from the, 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 the final one of, of, you know, being half ass. And I did get pulled up on this a couple of years ago by a coach because they, they, weren't happy with the attitude that I had because I was one of the strongest in the volleyball team. I probably still am, uh, being being retired. But she said, there's, "There's no point you doing being media, having media. You might as well not come." And I'd be still still in the position, but that does the disservice to the team. It's a smack in the face to that coach. And I know that as an adult now. And, okay, it's a, not a great mindset to have going forward because if you're doing mediocrity, being average, 
uh, and and uh, being mediocre, that will rub off in other aspects of your life. And yep. that little conversation alone, in terms of well, she didn't even have to say that. Like, I don't think she used the word disappointment. As how does that make you feel? Like, okay, I'm letting myself down. I'm letting. I don't think the team aspect hurt me as much, but letting myself down as like, yeah, yeah you got a fair point. I need to pull my socks up and away we go and obviously i never look back um but i'm quite happy to share that with people because obviously it's, it's vulnerability but they're facts there are aspects of things where it was presented to me as hey that's not good enough okay that's having a it almost like it's a shot to your ego as they're right how am I going to respond I've got two choices I could in a sporting event I probably would never walk off and not come back but in terms of that that is that builds character that builds resilience and it builds the person you become and I think people do ask where my perseverance and my my resilience come from it comes probably from most of my family they're very stubborn they don't take no for an answer yeah because it's like, well, you you telling me no, you can't do it, but who's to say I can't? I'm not saying I'm. This is probably uh, mindset I had as a as a teenager and younger, and and probably list people listening when they're in their twenties, thirties, probably similar. You have a point to prove, but when you have no's, and I think when you're in your thirties, forties, and and beyond. The no isn't a slam in the face. It's the other person, if they were in your shoes, for whatever reason, they can't imagine or or be able to have a glimpse into the future to make that that particular outcome goal a success because they don't think it's possible. Whereas if you had rose-tinted glasses, I think as most kids have, you would probably go in there with no risk, no 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 apprehension, because you're a risk taker. It's like, well, what's likely to happen? Oh, if I hurt myself, hey, whatever. Whatever. I've got a few scrapes. Let's do it again. Yep. Yep. It was fun. But for whatever reason, we we lose sight of that. And I think, obviously, you exemplify that because, obviously, you, your biography speaks of time and time again you reinvented yourself and that's all we have to do is uh, as from a sense of just biology we're changing every single day whether we like it or not we 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 are well technically we're not decaying but obviously we, we 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 have new skin every single day and obviously, technically, if you were to look at it at the root of it, we change every single day. So why, when it comes to mindset and behavior and habits, why can't you be able to change? There's yeah. maybe there's a resistance there. Um, some people have a more difficult start than others, which is fair enough. But to say that you and I were born with the skill sets that we have, and any athlete as well, probably not true. 
no we're talented but we had to be able to i'm not going to say this out the 100 hour 100 um 10,000 hours cuz i don't believe in it i think it's ridiculous but in terms of its repetition 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 and you keep going back because you like it and okay this is probably when the athlete retires is when they don't do it, they don't enjoy it anymore but it's more because they probably moved away from what the real reason was in the first place and if people were able to apply that as you know nature versus nurture you're able to nurture I'm going to use the, the what you said with the plant of feeding the feeding watering the one that you want to pros pros to prosper is going to serve you in the wrong in in the long run we're not saying self-doubt isn't going to creep up from time to time because you didn't mention that but it does occur in i probably could probably find a gold medalist that i've had some sort of self-doubt in some time and other even if it was in the lead up to to winning the pinnacle or same with uh nba championships or nfl there's going to be some aspect of worry to do with that because that's obviously how we're hard why we're looking for the negative and i think the best metaphor was that this and this was uh you you mentioned social media uh tiktok video of people could go 80 mile an hour down the highway and see a and have a marvelous sunset on this is the american bus it's on the left hand side obviously for brits it'd be on the right hand side and keep going whereas if it was they saw a train wreck they'd stop so this if you looked at that rationally that makes no sense whatsoever as why wouldn't you marvel and and, and revel in something so amazing i think maybe californians might take it for granted because they got it all the time um but why don't you stop and, and enjoy what is wonderful beauty, and to beauty. be grateful about life versus uh we've got a term in britain called rubbernecking so people looking at accidents and causing another accident oh they do it here in new york too all the time they're stopping this traffic stopping all the time for an accident it's like but it doesn't what? it doesn't make sense well i think it's uh, our minds are conditioned right so we are these people who are conditioned uh to to kind of soak in sometimes negative so we, you know and it is we need to have more appreciation of the small things of the beauty um you know we aren't simple creatures but having a simple perspective will help our lives i believe it's got we've gotten too complicated there's so much complication here you know and you said it before about the social aspect we're losing you know the social aspect of people um so we also lose the social the we're losing this the sight of seeing things that are actually so it's like in swimming, right? What we say is, you know, smooth is fast. You know, you just because you're going fast does not actually mean you're going fast. You know, you know, I, I can swim faster than some people who are bicycling, like we say, because smooth is fast. There's something to be said about having a nice long stroke. And it's kind of like that in life. You know, uh, it's not always just about 
rush, rush, rush forward. Sometimes it's being in the moment. You know, um, my wife and I, we talk often about just kind of being present, right? And just being where your feet are is what we say. So if your feet are right here and you're down, then that's where your mind should be, right? And uh, and as people, we lose sight of that, you know, and I think that anyone who's listening to this podcast or, you know, your, your previous or your future podcast will have a lot to learn as I'm learning, you know, myself, like you said, our conversations through conversation, we learn, you're learning from me, I learn from you, you learn from your guests and we can all teach each other um, and we can reach each other in, in a better space and continue to promote that to the future um, which are our children, the children who are growing, and you know that we collectively can inspire the next generation to be better than us. Well, I think meditation, and this is, shows where I've evolved as a, as a person, because meditation, mindfulness talks about you know the body can only be in the here and now, yep. can only be in the present. It's only your mind that can go in the past or the future. So if you're able to slow it down. That could be a minute, three minutes, five minutes. However long you can be able to give yourself time to just slow it down. Doesn't have to be meditation. Doesn't have to be mindfulness. Uh, whatever's going to be able to calm yourself down. That you have an awareness of, you know, how you're feeling. How are you breathing? Deep breaths. Deep breaths. That's it. It's super simple. Deep breaths. I tell it to my kids and to people. Because you won't notice that when you're fear, when you're anxious, fearful, depressed, whatever it is, you actually like sometimes we stop breathing, just in through your nose, out through your mouth. Deep breaths can kind of get us just right in the present. And it, and it, and it is and, and, and okay, that is both from the the mental perspective is good and well, I won't say good and bad. In that pers perspective, we can get quite anxious or quite depressed quite quickly. Yeah. Because oh yeah. Hundred percent. If, if we obsess on um that's why i try not to watch the news too much but they've i think they're going to change their tune in a couple of days but in this country and probably in europe there was since i want to say july ah oh, fuel prices are going to go up gas is going to be more expensive etc yeah. mm, it hasn't but just speaking to family, because um, one of my family members, are, are you concerned about it? Not really. Not thought about it. But to give some people some, some context as where my mind goes with that, if they were to triple, I've got to work harder to be able to, 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 to make up for that difference. So that is a technical motivation. Motivate shouldn't be a motivator, but it, it could be. Um, so my mind obviously goes positive, whereas my aunt is very, very worried. But the finances are there, so why worry about it? If it was, if it's to go up, and you've got the uh, financial security, out you can you can control how much they're gonna go up because for whatever reason there's greed element there in there for that those companies. You can't control that. And nope. this is probably something I teach my clients because it's like, okay, you're t tell me what what is concerning you. X, Y, A, B, C, D. It could be even longer to listen to this. Obviously, people listen to you. What 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 are things that are worrying you? Put them on a list of what you think you have control over. And then do another 
it's a circle. So it, the 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 actual um, how would I describe this? How to do it is two circles. So circle circle of concern versus circle of control. Yeah. And then after that, you put in what you really have control over. And some of that 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 stress will relate be relieved because it's like, well, can't control that. I'd like to, but I can't control it. It's true. And you start uh, t- not taking off. You start wiping out some of those 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 concerns because it's like there's another party involved to be able to whether or not that uh, was to rise. And I think when we talked about the mental aspect of that, that would obviously create worry if you let that stir in your head as oh this this is I've got uh, my bills are gonna triple um my rent is going to I think I've spoken to enough amputees in America like at least doubled oh yeah which you have no control over inflation Um, yeah it's crazy it's anxiety though too right so it's like so the anxiety and depression anxiety is what you just said you know Focusing on the future and things that are beyond your control, out of your control, we can't control the future, right? Um, and then depression is thinking about the past, right? Holding on to the past, being depressed about what was or what used to be or what could have been. Uh, just being in the moment is the key. So that that anxiety, which I, t- I tell it to my clients all the time, you know, just we have to let go of that anxiety and be present. And understand whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And nine times out of 10, it's never as bad as we think it's going to be, right? We build it up so much in our minds because our mind is our mental, our minds are our strength as human beings. Um, we have the ability to kind of forecast, to, to foresee, you know, things. Um, but then also that kind of goes against us, um, as well as the depressive part of holding on to the past and things that are behind us and being able to let those things go. Um, and understand that we can't control those things over either. They're over. Um, and now it's time to either be here and move forward. Uh, and, you know, and I get uh, amputees, you know, they hold on to if they lost their leg later in life. Why did this happen to me? You know, I, you know, you know, I can't believe this. And understanding that this could actually just be the beginning of a new chapter. You can't control it. Let it go. This could be the new chapter. Um and don't be anxious about what's to come, how hard it's going to be. Just be here and now and start chipping away, right? It's like if you have a, 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 a sink full of dishes and you're like, oh, my goodness, there's 50 dishes in here. It's going to take me forever to clean them. Well, don't even think about the 50 dishes. Just go with the one dish and do that one and then the next one and do that one. And before you know it, you're down to 40 dishes and then 30 dishes and then 25 and you're halfway through, you know, um, so that's it, just one at a time. And I try to get that to people um, because we're so busy projecting forward or living in the past. We got to be here now. Well, it's the the preparation is key. Um, what's the motto? Piss poor planning creates piss poor performance. And I think the military's got an extra pay. Um, obviously, that's not ideal for some people either because you would lose perspective as well. If I do piss poor planning and I have a piss poor result or performance, what's the point in doing it in the first place? That's what we say here. We say uh, those who fail to plan, you know, plan to fail. So that's it. 
Well, I, I think it's just taking that for that initial. I think it's a kids' book. I think it's the best uh, metaphor that I've ever seen. It. Uh, I think he was talking to a horse, and he worried about going into into the forest. I think the horse wow. just said, "Take one step at a time." Step at a time. Yes, yes. I know that. I actually, I know that that same thing. And it's like I can't see my way through the forest. He's like, "Well, can you see your next step?" It's like just take that. Um, and it's so true. So true. But I think we lose sight of those because there's a lot of anecdotal things that we've been taught us from from uh, nursery rhymes and things that we've learned to kids and they kind of go, oh, okay, that's not reality. Um, what was I watching the other day? I think Humpty Dumpty, it's actually technically, a, it was a cannon uh, and the, it was a battle between the royalist and uh, what was it, roundheads. And so I learned something <laughs> that I thought it was like this this egg, and then they couldn't put him. Back. So technically, the 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 royalists couldn't put the cannon back together, so that they, they got overrun. Yeah. So hey. thinking, well, there's truths behind some of the kids' stuff. You know, yeah. we can learn a lot from it. Sometimes we got to revert back to it. You know. But I think obviously we're we're coming to the close of of this particular episode. I think we're gonna have to have probably a part two in the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. I always love this of all my guests, and I'm going to give you a two-part, so you're, you're in a very select few with this one. Um, but So my first question to you, Rob, is if you've got to sit down, with any, sit down with any athlete, dead or alive, for that matter, who would that be and why? Woo, uh, any athlete, ooh, dead or alive. Uh, I'm going to go with Kobe Bryant now. Um, and the reason being is because of, I think, the discipline that he kind of has exerted over time. Um, I think it's phenomenal, the lengths that he's had to go to and what he lived up to. And it's more so because of the speeches, actually, that I, I've seen when he was alive. But now that he's he's you know passed away, that they've been so projected out um, and how much knowledge I think he obtained. So. Uh, I would love to have sit down with him and learn from Kobe Bryant. And my second part to that question is, if you've got to sit down with any coach, dead or alive, who would that be and why? Uh, any coach? Woo! Um, that one, I would probably say... Uh, I guess I would have to go another basketball coach, uh, which would be Phil Jackson, I guess, only because... He's got so many, and I guess he was dialed in. In my mind, he was dialed in completely. If you can get Michael Jordan, and if you can win a championship as an athlete, and then get Michael to and that team, you know, on track, and then do it again with Kobe, um, I think would be amazing. Um, you know, to do someone or someone else like Coach K, um, you know, college basketball. So things like that. Um, I'm sure there's more out there, but I'll go with Phil just for notoriety. I appreciate that. And our last question before we end the show is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Our conversation today, if I'm summarizing in one sentence for the listeners out there, uh, would be, to, to, to be disciplined and to try to push yourself to become your best self. You know, hearing your story and how you constantly, you know, you were figuring out your way as a young athlete and, you know, becoming your best self, James, despite 
what people told you you could or you couldn't do um, is a testament to you know anyone who's trying to 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 fall in that realm. Um, and the same thing with myself. You know, I've had to overcome and reinvent myself and figure out what's best for me. And uh, sometimes we have to dig down deeper than we know to do that. Um, so to the listeners out there, just dig down deep uh, if you want to become your best self um, and make an impact in not only your own life and others' lives. Um, just be a good person, have good intentions, and you'll end up with good results. Robert, once again, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, James. I love what you're doing. It's an honor. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. My man. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hart. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.